I'm Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing Southeast Asian attitudes toward recent developments in the region and especially toward the United States and China. The ASEAN Studies Center at the IC's Yusof Ishak Institute in Singapore recently released its annual survey of elites in all 10 ASEAN member states, which is titled State of Southeast Asia 2019. Approximately 1,000 respondents from Southeast Asia participated in the survey. It focused on current strategic and economic situation in the region, talked about major power engagements in Southeast Asia, such as the Indo-Pacific concept, China's Belt and Road Initiative, and China's overall political and strategic influence, as well as attitudes towards the staying power of the United States. And the results revealed skepticism and concern about China's reemergence as a major player in Southeast Asia, as well as uncertainty regarding the Trump administration's engagement with the region. To discuss the findings from the IC's 2019 survey, I am joined by Sumun Tang. Uh, Dr. Tang is director of the ASEAN Studies Center and a senior fellow at the Regional Strategic and Political Studies Program at the Institute of Southeast Asian Studies. And he was previously director for foreign policy and security studies at the Institute of Strategic and International Studies, Malaysia. Sumun, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me here, Bonnie. So could you explain a bit about how this survey was conducted, who were the respondents, and how were they chosen? The survey was conducted online uh, throughout all 10 ASEAN member states. Uh, The respondents were selected based on two criteria. First is the uh, knowledge on regional affairs and international relations. And second, and more importantly, they all have to be Southeast Asian nationals. So you have an American in Southeast Asia, you would not uh, be asked to participate in the survey. So this will ensure that the survey reflects the voices of Southeast Asia. And the uh, respondents are drawn from five clusters, uh, academia and think tanks. The second is business and finance. Uh, third, government officials. And fourth, civil society organizations. And last but not least, senior members of the media. This will be journalists, uh, senior editors, and it's interesting that the survey consists of, uh, the respondents consist of one-third of government officials. Was that one-third in every country, all 10 of the um, ASEAN member states? One-third in a general sense. Uh, we do have the country-specific data, which we would release in about a week's time. But uh, overall, uh, about 32.9% of respondents are from our government officials. So can you talk a little bit about the overall findings of the survey regarding Southeast Asian attitudes towards China and the United States? What are the trends? What are the differences from past surveys? I would say the overall sentiments towards China and the United States is one of pessimism. What came out clearly from the survey findings was a strong sentiment that China's influence has grown and will continue to grow in the foreseeable future. But there's also a growing sense of unease of China's use of political, economic, military power. Uh, As far as U.S. is concerned, uh, the prevailing mood from the findings is one of disappointment of the United States' apparent, I would say, apparent disinterest in the region. Essentially, we do not see much 
activity, visibility compared to United States in Southeast Asia. Are there other findings that are relevant for policymakers or observers of the region that you think really stand out? I would like to perhaps highlight three important findings. First is in terms of the threat perception, there's a growing realization that the effects of climate change matters. In fact, uh, it is ranked ahead of uh, economic downturn and terrorism. I think this shows that Asians are now gradually understanding the, the negative impact of climate change and also have a broader perspective of security. And together with natural disasters, I think non-traditional security issues will feature more prominently in our strategic thinking and planning moving forward. The second uh, highlight will be Japan. Japan, perhaps not surprisingly, is picked as the most trusted major power in Southeast Asia. 65.9% of Southeast Asians think that Japan will do the right thing to provide common goods in the promotion of peace, stability and prosperity. So it will be interesting to see if Japan will step up and provide more visible leadership in the region and take into consideration the, the large reservoir of goodwill towards Tokyo. And third, it's very interesting to see that while China is considered the most powerful and influential major power in the region, it is also regarded as the most distrusted. In two indicators of soft power, higher education and tourism, uh, China trails behind the United States, Europe, Japan and even uh, ASEAN. Well, as you say, there's evidence in this survey of growing concerns about China. I thought it was very interesting that uh, just over 45% expect China to become a revisionist power, although hard to say how people actually define that. Um, And then, of course, just over 50% have little confidence or no confidence that China will do the right thing in contributing to global peace, security, prosperity, and governance. So from your perspective, what do you think are the reasons why countries have these views? What are the policies that China is pursuing today that have caused these concerns in Southeast Asian countries? I think uh, the onset is important to to state that uh, these concerns are not the same as opposition. I don't think there's a sense of uh, anti-China sentiments in the region. I do think that the survey has successfully tapped into the region's strong sense of unease and uncertainty of China's strategic intentions. China has indeed risen, but we will remain peaceful in its conduct of external affairs. We are not too sure. There's a tendency of China to weaponize trade, using trade and tourism as tools to exert its political influence. And this is a development that is uh, deeply unsettling for the region. Uh, as you know, China is ASEAN member states' uh, largest trade partner, and tourism is an important part of the uh, national income economies in almost all of ASEAN member states. So we see China's uh, quote-unquote punishment of South Korea over the, the, the deployment of TAD as a lesson that we should pay close attention to. So we do not know what China will become, how it uses its power, and this is something that uh, what we have seen in in the last five years uh, does give us some cause for concern. If you dig into the country's specific um, attitudes in, in the survey, what does that tell you about the variation among the Southeast Asian countries in their views of China? Could you talk about the differences? We looked through the data in the country, the country data, and surprisingly, there is not much variation. 
we expect so-called clientele states like, such as Cambodia uh, to have a very pro-China view, yeah, to be supportive of soft power, tourism, and even uh, trust. Uh, but this is not the case. In fact, I think uh, if you look at the country data on Cambodia, they were very, rather cautious about China's intentions uh, in terms of trust as well. In, in terms of the confidence level or the trust level on China, it's quite consistent. Most of the countries would not have breached about 25%. And in terms of the positive views on, on China, I think overall most of the countries would be uh, less than a third, yeah, with the exception of Laos, which has a very positive views on, on China. Brunei uh, has also quite positive views. But for the rest of the other ASEAN member states, uh, I think the variation does not jump out. There are not marked differences in that sense. So in other words, the, the views are quite consistent. What about variation in views toward the United States? Is it also similar across countries? For the United States, it's slightly a different picture. Uh, you find that there is a cross-broad concern on U.S. staying power, whether it would continue to provide security guarantee, strategic um, endurance in the region. Uh, but they still has very positive views in especially two countries, Vietnam and the Philippines. Yeah, which is maybe perhaps it's not surprising uh, because the, the responders are mainly elites and they do see that the close relationship with the U.S. in terms of the strategic partnership is beneficial to the respective countries. So while the rest of the region is swinging to the other side, which is the deep concern of the United States and also no confidence in the United States, in Vietnam and in the Philippines, you do register some slightly higher positive views on the U.S., so from your perspective, how do you think this diminished confidence in the United States and its engagement and commitment to the region affects how Southeast Asian countries view China and their policies toward China? I think it is very important, yeah, because the, there's a growing sense that the U.S. visibility is, is rather low. In fact, uh, most of us see uh, Secretary Mattis as a, as a torchbearer and the most visible and the most senior member of the Trump administration to remain engaged in the region. So his resignation is a grave setback for the region. Uh, however, having said that, I think we should see the distrust or the lack of confidence in the United States in a, in a slightly positive light in that sense. And what do I mean by this? Uh, one, I think there's a silver lining in the sense that it would compel, I think it would give us a wake-up call that we need a plan B. We cannot uh, rely on the United States forever. But this does not mean that we do not want America. There is no Yankees go home sentiment in the region. In fact, it's, it's the opposite. We want U.S. to remain in the region, in this trade, investment, to up its uh, NT in that sense. You have to be more engaged. It's not less America. We want more of America. So uh, I think you should see the negative feelings on the United States. It's not dislike. But it's rather the disappointment that the U.S. is is not giving enough attention to the region. So back to the plan plan B point, I think it would 
force us to have a plan B and also open the doors for us to work with other dialogue partners, other ASEAN dialogue partners such as Japan, the European Union, India, Australia, New Zealand. So it would, we would have to strengthen our other relationship while at the same time open the door for America to find its way in terms of um, you know, FDAs, free trade and other things that America has always championed in the region. The questions that you asked this year, I was I was curious whether they are exactly the same as prior years. So, are you able to uh, establish, you know, comparisons and trends? There was there was one question in particular I was interested in that asks which country or organization is as the most politically and strategically influential actor in Southeast Asia. And and just over 45% of the respondents named China, just over 20% named ASEAN, and about 30.5% named the United States. So are you able to compare this to prior years? And, And what does, again, that tell you? Is there a growing sense that China will inevitably be the most politically and strategically influential actor in the region? Unfortunately, we are not able to do to do a comparison. Uh, my colleagues and I, we did a, a survey last year, uh, which was to measure U.S. involvement and how how decisions view the Trump administration. And that was done to, to capture the mood of uh, President Trump's um, uh, 100 days in office. So the questions that we asked last year was a bit different, uh, but this year the survey is more comprehensive. So we may do a comparison of next with next year's findings. But we did ask the question about economic influence and power, and the survey of last year was also strongly pointed towards China. Right? China is the number one in the region then and also in the next 10 years. Uh, but what is surprising in this uh, survey is that China has apparently overtaken the United States in terms of political and strategic influence. And that was uh, uh, very surprising to the lot of us because our conventional wisdom tells us that our perception of U.S. is still very positive and very strong. Uh, but now um, China has caught up in terms of political political influence. But at the same time, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it because the gap between U.S. and China is not that huge in that sense. But nevertheless, the the point that China has made inroads in a domain that is often seen as the monopoly of the United States is something to watch out for. So maybe perhaps next year's survey would uh, give us a better indication of this particular trend. Hmm. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, to seeing the survey again next year. Well, you talked about economic influence, and 73% of the people surveyed concluded that China has the most economic influence in Southeast Asia. And I guess that's not surprising, even though the total investment stock by the United States and Japan in Southeast Asia, I believe, um, is higher. Uh, but certainly China's economic influence is growing. And, you know, the Belt and Road Initiative uh, is probably part of that. But I'm wondering, were you able to ask any questions that enabled you to get a sense as to how different countries are viewing China's Belt and Road um, or, or um, you know, uh, One Belt, One Road Initiative? 
certainly uh, you are certainly right on on the point about the economic influence. U.S. is the largest FDI stock uh, provider in the region, together with Japan, and also we should not forget our European friends as well. And uh, even singularly, all of them would actually outrank China. But I think what China is successful has been successful in the last 10 years is the narrative that China is the new investor coming in, new businesses and so on. So uh, on balance, I think China still has a lot to catch up on in terms of uh, investment, but in terms of trade, I think uh, it is one of the highest, if not the highest in most of the countries. In terms of BRI, most of the countries, I think, uh, very strongly points towards some kind of hesitancy towards BRI. This does not mean that they do not want BRI, but they're definitely going to go to BRI with their eyes wide open. Things happening in Sri Lanka and also Malaysia is again a wake-up call. In fact, uh, the findings indicate that uh, they would want their countries, uh, if, if the governments would engage in a BI project, they would want the their governments to be, to be more attentive towards the terms of the, of the loan, of what the projects are, and so on. Most of the country would also welcome the investment in, in these particular countries. There is one particular country that is Laos uh, that has a slightly more positive view towards BRI. And um, I think in terms of the project, the BRI project in Laos is more advanced than, than other countries. So uh, we do not detect any backlash, any pushback, strong pushback against BRI. But I think the, the, the survey finding this point that we are going to be more cautious towards what BRI means for the respective uh, economies, for respective countries. I think a very strong belief in the region, in all of the ASEAN countries, has been that they really don't want to be forced to choose between the United States and China. All countries have wanted to have a good relationship with both. And it was, at least to me, rather surprising when last November, Singaporean Prime Minister Lee Hsien Long raised the possibility that nations in the region may be forced to choose between the United States and China. Do you think that is likely? And, and, and why do you think he made that statement? I think there is a, a strong possibility that we might have to choose. Uh, the question is when. Is it going to be in five years' time? Is it going to be 50 years' time? Of course, our preferred strategic option is not to have to choose as ASEAN, as a collective of 10 member states, and individually as well. Uh, but as, as you know, there are certain countries that have closer relations with the United States, certain countries have closer relations with China. That is quite normal in terms of the trade, cultural, people-to-people -people relations, and so on. But I think in a broad strategic sense that our sense of not choosing allows us to maintain our strategic autonomy, our policy space. But if the trend that we experience and we see now continues into the foreseeable future, then we expect China's power influence to grow and grow and grow and grow. So there will come a point that the China orbit is going to be bigger. It's going to cast a, a bigger shadow on the region. So faced with this reality, what choice do we have? So I personally read uh, Prime Minister Lee's uh, comment not as perhaps warning that we may have to choose China. I think I think his and also the Singapore view and the view that is shared by many ASEAN member states is not to choose. I would see this as perhaps read his his statement as perhaps a plea 
yeah, for the for America, from EU, from other member states, to actually uh, help us out in giving us a strategic option in not having to make a choice. If U.S., Japan, EU, Australia, India, uh, and well, other dialogue partners remain engaged and up their game in the region, then the Chinese stranglehold on the region would not be as strong. So in that sense that uh, we have a multipolar strategic situation in the region. So in other words, we want to prevent a hegemony, be it American hegemony, be it a Chinese hegemony, we deny any hegemonic force or influence in the region. And to do that, uh, at least from where we sit, uh, we need U.S. and we welcome U.S. to continue to remain in the region, to remain engaged and also, if possible, to enhance its, its engagement in the region. But so far, I think the sentiment is rather pessimistic. So looking ahead over the next year or maybe a couple of years, what do you think are the most important variables that will shape the attitudes of Southeast Asian countries on this set of issues and regional security? particularly their attitudes towards the United States and China. Do you think the economic factor will be dominant? Do you think the South China Sea and the code of conduct is going to be important? What do you see as the major variables? I think uh, as far as our general perception towards the U.S., uh, personally, I think my concern is we do not know America anymore. Five years ago, 10 years ago, or even 30 years ago, we know America is champion for democracy, for human rights, freedom of the press, definitely for free trade. Right now, if you ask any South institutions today, I don't think we can give you a clear, a strong answer that that is what America stands for. Right? As a former student of America, I studied in America, my professors and my colleagues would tell me, oh, democracy, human rights, free trade, and uh, capitalism is, is, is tantamount to American pie. Right, this is part of the American DNA, and this is a common good that America has provided to the region in championing uh, PPP, for example, climate change. This is what we see America as a leader. So right now we are not sure what America is leading. So it has moved from free trade to fair trade. What does that mean? So I think there is a changing of the narrative, which I think we are trying to adjust to. We are trying to better understand the uh, uh, United States, just as we are trying to better understand developments, ongoing developments and continuing developments in China. So I guess trying to figure out not just China strategy intentions, but U.S. strategy intentions as well. And I think at our level, uh, we also have this sense of feeling that we are usually a peripheral, perhaps afterthought. U.S. or the major powers tend to see Southeast Asia as an adjunct to its China policy. I think that may be a bit short-sighted in a sense because one of the findings of the survey that comes out quite strongly is that there's a concern that uh, Southeast Asia has become the political and strategic battlefield, battleground, the chessboard for U.S. and China. So the game is being played in Southeast Asia. So the question is, is America in this game? America is America in the race. Uh, at this particular point, a lot of attention is on the U.S.-China trade war, the North Korean issues, and these are rightly very important issues. But at the same time, uh, where is America in the region? 
So therefore, uh, a lot of us would like to see friends like you and CSIS and or possible U.S. officials coming to up to engage in the region. In next month, the YC Lee program will be in Jakarta. I think that is a very important lifeline to continue the engagement with a very important group of of uh, ASEAN member states, which is the youth and the young leaders as well. So I think moving forward, there are lots of things to actually look forward to. But as we try to readjust our the strategic balance with a recent China, we also have to readjust to the new realities of the new normalcy that is the United States. Well, I'm glad that you still have a little bit of optimism, even within what I think is overall a bit of a pessimistic uh, outlook. Uh, but I think there's understandable reasons. Uh, but uh, don't count and America GFD out. Hope, hope springs, <laughs> hope springs uh, eternal. eternal. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on the survey. Our listeners can read about it um, on the IC's website. And we've been talking with uh, Suman Tang, who is director of the ASEAN Studies Center at the IC's, the Institute of Southeast uh, Asian Studies Institute, uh, Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you, Bonnie.